Hamish Carton does join me in the studio. Uh, Hamish, uh, welcome. Uh, how's life in Melbourne? Loving it. Absolutely loving it. Been here for, what, just coming up to four months and uh, it's much warmer than, than Scotland <laughs> where I've come from. So that's uh, that's lovely. Everyone told me, Aussies told me, you won't like it because it's so cold. You've picked the coldest part of Australia. Forgetting the fact I'd come from Scotland. So mm. loving it, weather, people... Um, just the the lifestyle, it's been amazing. I did notice one of your early tweets, though. You did uh, you learnt pretty quickly the four seasons in one day yeah. is is a relevant thing here in Melbourne. Everyone told me about it, but you kind of play it down and think, ah, nah, they're just exaggerating. But it, it really is crazy. M- my girlfriend, even more so, she um when she's going to work in the morning, she she has a nightmare every morning trying to work out what to pack. Does she bring the umbrella? <laughs> Does she bring a jacket? Is she going to be too warm with a jacket on? So yeah, it's a it's a strange place. So just tell us why you came to Melbourne. And you're not that obsessed with Ange, are you, that you just wanted to follow and live his life? Why did you yourself and your, and your girlfriend decide to come and live in Melbourne? Yeah, it was just a, a time in our life to to do it. Quite quite a lot of people from from the UK and, and Ireland are are doing it at the moment. And yeah, as, as I say, you know, no no real commitments at the moment back home. So just a time to to come out and yeah, the, the Ange stuff is a bit of a coincidence. But um, I don't know, maybe it played a small part because you know my, my previous job did a lot of chatting to to Aussies. Uh, about Ange and and always came across well, so maybe there was a bit in the back of my mind thinking I'd quite like to go out there. So you've come from Scotland, football mad. Obviously, yeah. Rangers and Celtic is is just huge, and you're you're a Celtic man. And now you've come to Melbourne, where it is sports mad, but it's not necessarily world game mad. What has that taught you about Ange's journey even further? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, been to a couple of well, three A League games, a couple of uh, victory games, and a, a Melbourne City game, and it is you know a, a very different world. Again, I was coming into that with, with my eyes open. I was aware that that would be the case, but um, yeah, even like the the, the coverage that um, you know football gets in this country compared to back home, where it is the main event. By you know, I'd say ninety percent of the newspapers, the sport part of the newspapers, are taken up by football. Here, it's very different. It's funny when we arrived initially because it was during the the World Cup with the Matildas doing really well. Yeah. We actually turned up and everywhere was football. You probably thought, hang on a second. I know this is a football country. <laughs> I know, and then it kind of died away a little bit. But um, that was cool. But in terms of Angie, it, it does bring it back home when you you realise the the kind of environment that he's been functioning in previously, and the fact that he's managed to get to a stage where he can, uh, you know, come to Scotland and then obviously. England and um, I remember some quotes when he was at Celtic when he spoke about the fact that being in a place where that is absolutely obsessed by football and um, was what he had always craved in his life um, and you can see that now um, not not to put anything against you know Australia because mm. you're mad about so many sports and I think that's amazing but obviously football is a little bit down. Yeah, one of the rare countries with four football codes. It's it, it it is a competitive environment, and as you're probably well aware in this town, it's Aussie rules football is is king. You got a fan here off the Forty Wings temper. Can't wait to hear from Hamish. His YouTube channel was the best on Celtic news and Scottish football. Can't wait to hear his thoughts on the Melbourne sporting culture, A League, AFL, etc. So you've been to a few A League games. You've even been to I think a VPL game, mm-hmm. Victorian Premier League. What what did you take out of the experience of going to a, Australian football? You can have alcohol at the game. That's I was going to say, bit... <laughs> I did see one of your photos. It's, for those that aren't aware, you can't drink at your seat if you go to football in, in the UK. So in Scotland, you can't drink at all you inside can... the stadium. 
Not and, even and, before the game. No, because in it, England you can. In England you can. Yeah. We had a big thing. Surprisingly, a Celtic Rangers match in the eighties. There was big crowd uh, trouble at that, and since then no, we've had a blanket, surely not. blanket ban on um, on alcohol. We, so you can't get drink inside of any Scottish football stadium. So little things like that are are, are nice. Um, yeah, I think the quali- quality's good. Um, I think teams try to pass the ball, which again is a, a refreshing change from Scotland, where a lot of teams other than maybe Celtic and Rangers play a more direct game. So I've enjoyed the matches I've gone to. You've got some very kind of talented players. You know, Aaron, Aaron Kunda would be the kind of obvious one yeah. at the moment that's gone. I saw him against Victory a month or so ago. Um, the atmosphere is the one thing that I've kind of found has been lacking a, a mm. little bit. Victory games have been fine, but if you can just find a way to get more fans into mm. stadiums then I think the league could really go. Let's go way back to the start of Ange's time at Celtic. We've had some fun on this station uh, when Ange was going well. Just repeating that audio from Alan Brazil who just scoffed at the suggestion, who is this guy? What is Celtic doing? This is a joke. So when you first heard that the new manager of Celtic was going to be Ange Postacoglu, what did you think? So the, the thing that people kind of forget is that the whole Ange name came up after months and months of Celtic been linked with another manager, mm. Eddie Howe, who's yep. obviously at Newcastle now. So Eddie Howe was the guy everyone was yeah. fixated on. He was Very a big good manager. Name. We all, yeah, exactly. We all knew about him. He was a headline name. And then that all crashed and burned, and that was really disappointing. And then within an hour or two, we heard this name that nobody had ever heard of, or certainly very few people had ever heard of, Ange Postacoglu. I certainly had never heard of him. I know he'd managed at a World Cup, um, but I can genuinely say I didn't know the name. And uh, as you say, there was a a period where there was a lot of uh, noise made by certain people, a lot of it nonsense, like, you know, the Alan Brazil clip and stuff about Ange not having the relevant coaching qualifications and all of that nonsense that was just nonsense. And then he opened his mouth and as Ange does, you just kind of fall in love with what he's saying and then you watch his team play and you fall in love with the way they're playing and just the the belief grows um, and the rest is, is history. I mean, it wasn't, a, it, unlike at Tottenham where he hit the ground running and yeah. the team started winning straight away, that wasn't the same at Celtic. Was it not until the wins came that people started to fall in love with him or was it right from the start the way he spoke that people were like, mm, yeah, this, this guy might be okay? Yeah, I remember his first competitive game, a Champions League game against Michelin, and I think there was only 9,000 in the stadium due to kind of COVID re- restrictions, but he came out at the start of the game after doing his kind of media pre- uh, interview and, and got a standing ovation from everyone inside the stadium. So I think even before we'd properly kicked a, a ball competitively, there was a feeling of really getting behind him because like, what other option do you have you you can either revolt against him and that's doing no one uh, you know any good or you can get right behind him but I, th- I think there was an initial feeling but obviously as the results improved um, people just absolutely fell in love with him what do, what do people like about Ange the person I just I just think he's he's honest um, I think he's got really you know good values as well Um and just uh, just the way he comes across in, in the media, I mean, uh, it's genuinely not an exaggeration to say in, in two seasons in Scotland, I don't think he said the wrong thing once in, in any media interview, in any press conference. And I think the thing people love most about him is that, you know, he's a he's a football fan, he's a dreamer, 
Um, I remember before we played Real Madrid in, in the Champions League, there was a, a question you know asked of him about whether we should you know should look to dampen expectations, and his answer was basically no. Mm. I want fans to dream, and fans don't want to kind of have their expectations curtailed. No. We, we want to dream, and I think that's what was was so likable about him, and I think that's what you just feel as if you're part of something when he's your manager and. Um, I think we're we're seeing that with Spurs at the moment. You mentioned the Champions League there. Look, it, it, Rangers are go- sorry, Celtic are going well in the league. Eight points clear of Rangers. It looks like at this stage Celtic will probably win the league again. But Europe's always been a, a struggle, and you know the budgets are very different for some of the teams you're playing against. Just if if Ange stuck around for another two or three years, do you think he could have progressed Celtic in the Champions League? Yeah, I mean it's a huge ask, as you say. Um, and to be fair, I mean, we weren't, we're not been good this season in the Champions League, but we weren't really last season either. I think we took two points from 18. I would have liked to have seen Ange this year in charge or even next year just continuing to, to build something. But yeah, it's, there's just no guarantees. It's just such a, a, like, it's hard for people to get their heads around, but we, we go from playing like a team like Ross County with, with very little money and, mm. And all of that stuff to play in Atletico Madrid, one of the top teams in, in world football, three or four days later. And it's it's such a jump and there's not many teams have to have that kind of jump in Europe. So it's such a challenge for, for Celtic. Um, and I think we would have been possibly better with Ange, but it's like it's an impossible question. Was I mean, listening to, you know, talk back over in the UK, it doesn't seem like there's any resentment from Celtic fans towards Ange for leaving. Was there any initially? Yeah, there's a little bit. Um, it's like, yeah, there's always a feeling when someone has the, the audacity to, to leave the club that you all love. Um, there's always going to be a little bit of that. I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel it a little bit myself. Like, oh, why are you leaving? Mm. But the, these things happen. And, it, you know, I think it was just Spurs were as big a club as he was ever going to go to directly from Celtic. That was as big a job as he was going to get. So I think the, the stars just aligned for... For Ange, and I think now, certainly judging from my, you know, Twitter or, or X feed, um, you when when Spurs are playing, you you see positive tweets about Ange, and it's more people just kind of sad he's no longer the the manager. Um, but people generally want him to do well, and I think as as time goes on, that'll just grow. You know, time will be a healer for for even those kind of scorned people. I'll ask you about his time at, at Tottenham and a few more of your impressions about Australia after the break. Just earlier in the show, we we're talking about. Um, Media access in Australia. I mean, you compared to the United States, where you walk into a locker room after a game, you can talk to anyone for thirty minutes. And here in Australia, it is a little bit different. Just what's it like with football over in Scotland? I mean, in Australia, you can just walk down to Collingwood here and watch them train. What, what's sort of the media access like at big clubs like Celtic and Rangers in terms of fans watching training? How much access do you get during the week and on match day to to players, coaches, etc.? Yeah, very kind of protected in, mm. in Scotland. Um, yeah, I'd say even from a kind of limited experience here, it seems to be more open. Um, yeah, you get a, a kind of media press conference prior to, to matches. I think European matches, you, you're allowed to watch training um, prior to them, but that's more of a UEFA thing than a, a Scottish thing. Um, and other than that, like one-on-one interviews would be reserved for um, kind of broadcasting mm. partners. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's a little it's a little bit of a challenge to be honest, and you know Celtic specifically can can be quite protective mm. of of their players. Um, it's one of the things that I think Scottish football should 
um, you know, look to open up because like we don't we don't have a lot going for us sometimes, especially in comparison to the money down mm. south in England. And I think there's certain things that we could do to to open it up. Welcome back to the show. Hamish Carton joins me in the studio. He wrote the book, How Ange Postacoglu Bought the Fire Back to Celtic. He and his uh, girlfriend are now living in Melbourne, as we said before the break. A lot of people want to know, have you been to an AFL game? And if so, have you adopted a team? So I've been to one. Uh, It was a finals match. It was um, St Kilda against GWS Giants. St Kilda got absolutely battered. Sorry, Um, Ross. Sorry, Ross. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apologies, Ross. Um, yeah, uh, in terms of having a team, the answer is no. I've I've had lots of su- suggestions, probably from some of your listeners on, yeah. on Twitter. It's always what I get, or support them. In fact, more than support them, it's usually don't support them for yeah, whatever reason. I think reason. that's generally and right. Yeah, don't support Carlton. Don't, no, don't support do Collingwood. Don't do that. <laughs> don't don't support whoever else. Richmond. Um, don't do that. So I'm kind of uh, waiting on feeling a team. I didn't quite feel it with St Kilda. Fair enough too. But maybe maybe I'll go and see every team in the new season and yeah, just, feel it. What did you make of the game? Did you understand it? Did you seen much of it on television? Yeah, I'd, I'd never watched watched the game. Um, when I went to that initial match, no, I didn't really understand it. But then I watched some of the the kind of matches in the, the following weeks, including the grand final, with commentary and, and understood it a bit better. It's a it's a great sport. Like it's a it's a really entertaining sport. Um, can kind of be at such a lull and then just burst into life within within seconds. So, uh, the the big shame for me is how long you guys wait to start your your new season because I just want it now. It's just <laughs> it's like Mar- is it March? Yeah, March. Yeah, start of yeah, March. It's a long, it's a, it's a long off season compared to to European football. Just a couple more off our forty wings temper here. Uh, can you ask Hamish if anyone has ever said that he sounds like the Scottish comedian Kevin Bridges? Oh, really? Has anyone wow. ever said that? Saw to him you a couple of weeks ago here. Yeah, he, he was, was here, wasn't he? Here. Yeah. I, I don't. I think that's just a lazy Scottish. <laughs> every Scottish person sounds the same <laughs> stereotype. A right. uh, big hi to Hamish, massive Celtic supporter here since the nineties. I saw Hamish at the MCG for the grand final parade, but I had the kids, so I didn't get to talk to him. Did you go to the parade? Yes, that was. What did you make of that? The day prior, it was warm, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, kind of start of the summer, so no, that was good. Uh, in fact, we saw a great band I love, DMAs, were, were playing there that day, yeah. which was, I'd seen them a couple of days previously, and they, they were doing a kind of impromptu show, so we enjoyed that, which was kind of cool, um, and yeah, walked around a little bit, and really just enjoyed that whole uh, weekend and, and the atmosphere. I would have loved to get a ticket for the actual match, but... Ended up just having to make do with watching it at the, yeah. the house. We've got some great rivalries here in our, in Australian rules football. You know, Carlton and Collingwood and Adelaide, when the two Adelaide teams play in Perth, etc. But there's nothing really like Rangers and Celtic. Can you give us an insight into what that rivalry is like and what the atmosphere is like if you go to an old firm derby? Yeah, it's, it's, it's in- incredible. Um yeah, it's it's like ninety minutes of just feeling everything. You you come out and your your ears are ringing, and the the result just means you know so much, and it can genuinely make your month if you win the match, and if you don't win the match or, or lose the match, it can really put you in a a downer, and you just want to go home and and go to your bed, which I've I've done a few times. Um, <laughs> But it's easier here if you lose, not that I've experienced that yet because it's late at night and you can literally just go to your yes, bed. That's so, right. um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing match and it just it matters so much. It's kind of hard to explain it. A bit like the kind of sport here, unless you come here, it's kind of hard to explain it. But if you, if you live in Scotland, you'll realise that 
80-90% of the, the sports coverage is about football and of that 80-90% mm. is about two teams and it's just like a, they say it's a goldfish bowl and you know like the, the chat for months is what's going to happen the next time Celtic play Rangers and then when the match actually arrives it's like just incredible and, and makes all the headlines um, and the games are like the, the two teams are massive rivals they're always fighting for trophies together mm. which increases the rivalry and there's obviously the kind of religious element as well and in, in that's kind of been historic um, that isn't always great to mm. be honest um, but as fair to say it adds to the, the rivalry So when Ange got appointed at Tottenham there was some Cynics, I guess, which you could understand. I mean, he did a great job at Celtic, but he's going to a big club in England that were not, not in a great position. As expected, Harry Kane, their best player, was about to leave. What do you think Ange could do at Tottenham straight away when he first got the job? Did you think it might be a slow burn or no, this guy actually could hit the ground running given what he's done at Celtic? Yeah, I've been surprised by just how quickly uh, and well he started because I did foresee a bit of a, a slow start and I thought the big question around about this time would be whether Spurs would, would you know, see the project through and want to stick with him. But he's made a, a spectacular start. I mean, it, it really is incredible and the the coverage he's getting down down in England now is, is amazing. Um, he's almost the most talked about manager in that league so far this mm. season, which is, is quite something and um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Overall, I didn't have any doubts. I mean, I was on, you know, English radio, and they they wanted to ask all those questions about, you know, what's he like and how will he do, and it was just like history repeating itself. When he came to to Celtic at first, people were asking, well, sorry, we, I was asking Aussies, you know, you know, what's he like and and how will he do, and um, yeah, I had absolutely no doubt that he would be a, a massive success. And I know they're going through a little bit of a, a dip at the moment, but you know, I think that that draw at Man City will be a big kind of result and I think they'll they'll beat West Ham tomorrow and if they do I think they're level with Man City they're only a few points mm. off Arsenal at the top so it's just been an incredible start I don't think they're going to win the league but um, this season anyway but I think Angel certainly win that league either with Spurs or another team at some stage uh, West Ham they always get up against Tottenham it's yep. their big game of the year so Matty at the back's a big Spurs man he's uh, very nervous about it as well do you think the English pundits have got Ange yet because I noticed in his press conference before the West Ham game, someone said, oh, you got a lot of praise for the way you played against Man City. He said, well, after the game, I did. Because there were still questions going in. Do you need to be more conservative after the Chelsea game when he kept that high line? You know, some were saying it was naive. Do you still think there's some pundits over there that are still thinking he might buckle in the way he plays? But as we know, and you would have seen at Celtic, he's, he's got his principles and he doesn't change. Yeah, I mean, he's got his principles, but he always says that he doesn't just play attacking football mm. for attacking football's sake. He does it because he believes that's the best chance his team has to win. And yeah, it's again, it's just it's so funny because the same kind of narratives repeat themselves throughout his career. And it was the same in Scotland. You know, when you go into Europe against Real Madrid, can you play the same way? Yeah, you can. You might not win, but you can play the same way. And I think we've seen that already. So they'll get it eventually, just like everyone does. It makes sense though, doesn't it? Take Ange out of the conversation, but what's the point of going to a team like Manchester City and just sitting back and giving them 75% of possession? Because you know with the quality they got, they're going to get you at some stage. Surely aren't you better off as an overall philosophy of trying to score and trying to hit them on the counter and try and ask, make them ask some questions of you? Yeah, I think you've got to give them something to, to think about because they're 
they're Man City, they're probably going to score a couple of goals anyway, mm. regardless of how you play. So the best chance you've got is trying to, you know, score a, a couple yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the way he is as well. And he's 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 all in. So he can't, it's, it's just, not, it wouldn't be an Ange's personality to be kind of, oh, we might go a bit defensive. And if there's a chance to attack, attack, it's going to be, no, we're going to go for it. But I think is like people just kind of make this assumption, you know, down south that, that playing attacking football is going to see concede loads of goals and their mm. defence is actually, you know, some of their best players this season yep. have been their goalkeeper and, you know, Romero's been good and uh, Odogi, the, the left back and uh, Van de Veen is it. So, right, I mean, all those players yeah. have almost been the best players this season, which is interesting. So you mentioned before you think Ange will win the Premier League. Uh, I hope it's with Tottenham because it's been like, we've never done it. Um, but so do you think there might be an even bigger job in England for Ange one day? So I was having a conversation with, with, with someone and they were kind of putting forward the the, the kind of prospect. Who would he leave to go to? He's, he's not going to go, if he, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but if he does leave Spurs at, at some stage, he's not going to go to Arsenal um, because no. they're, they're rivals. Um, now Man City and Liverpool are, are the big two. Um, there's been a bit of falling out with, with Liverpool recently over that um, nine-man game and yeah. also the, the VAR cock-up <laughs> yes. and all of that stuff. Um and Man City could be an obvious one, but the only thing about Man City would be if it was like a proper challenge for him because mm. we know he loves a challenge right. and going into a club in a state and, and turning them around. So I'm wondering if, uh, you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid could, could be his next move. What about Man United? Oh, they're just in crisis at the moment, aren't they? So but it's a challenge. Yeah. The fans would like the way he plays football. It's whether that's a step up from Spurs. I mean, mm, if he, if he gets not at Spurs, the moment. If he gets Spurs to the stage where he's like challenging for league titles, they've got an amazing stadium, the best stadium in the country, um, amazing training facilities. Apparently, um, you know, a blank checkbook. He, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one where he would kind of go from there. Yeah, just stay at Tottenham for a bit longer, and if that's okay, let's get to the news. I've got a few more questions uh, for Hamish Carton on the other side. Here's the latest news headlines with Nathan Gardner. Thank you, Nathan. As Nathan mentioned there in the news, uh, day two of the tour match between Pakistan and the Prime Minister's eleven is underway. Uh, the skipper, Shah Massoud, still going. 174 not out. An early wicket for Jordan Buckingham, who's done very well. Four for 66 off his 20 overs. Pakistan now seven for 351. Hamish, we're getting some suggestions uh, for who you should follow in the AFL. Some are saying Carlton because of the navy blue of Scotland. Others are saying Geelong because they've got hoops like Celtic. And they're blue and white like Scotland. And a smart, smart Alec Cam from Churnside Park. Don't go for the Bombers, my team, because they just don't win finals. I'm not sure if you're aware. They haven't won a final for 7,000 days, which you get reminded on a daily basis. So there's a few suggestions there. Just what about your experience in Melbourne overall? What were your expectations of Melbourne? Is, is it what you thought it would be? Is it different to what you thought it would be? Yeah, I don't I don't really know what expectations I had. Um, yeah, I, I kind of... From again, what people had told me, I assumed I would turn up and it would be freezing cold and raining every single minute of the day. That's what some Aussies from sunnier climes had me had me feeling. But um, Sydney siders would have said that. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's not been the case. Like it's, um, I, I've quite enjoyed it. And coming from Scotland, it's been it's been very nice. So the, the weather kind of ticked that one off, and we've got the summer to look forward to. People are are great. You know, people have been lovely. We've met people here already um you know which has been great and yeah i knew they'd be obsessed with sport generally and i've I've found that so far 
Um, but kind of similar to back home, to be honest. I mean, it's the other side of the world, mm. but it, it feels like a neighbouring country sometimes. Um, so yeah, I feel very, very at home. Not been homesick once, which which kind of tells you that you're in yeah. a good place. So no, I'm loving it. Just on uh, Rangers and Celtic, there was some talk not long ago when Rangers changed manager that uh, one certain Australian might be in for the job. His name is Kevin Musket. That would have been a popular appointment among Celtic fans, wouldn't it? If Kevin Musket was uh, managing Rangers. Not overly popular with the Celtic fans no. in the day, I would have thought. No. Yeah, yeah. there's a few clips going around of him getting stuck in. I think he was that kind of player, wasn't oh, he? Oh, was he ever? Just, just generally. I think he was even, yeah, he was kind of mentioned as as potentially next Celtic manager after Ange, you know, next Rangers manager after they, they sacked Michael Beale recently. So he, he must be due a, a kind of chance in Europe, you would think, at some stage. Yeah, doing a good job uh, with Yokohama where Ange uh, cut his teeth. As well, just a, a question about football in general. The story, I think it was last week, came out, the suggestion that there might be a sin bin introduced in football. Surely that's not a good idea. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of it. But to, to echo Ange and, and what Ange had to say, it's, it just seems like the decisions and the ideas being made are are just that they're not being made by you know football minded people. They can't be because they're just coming up with idea after idea that is almost weakening the game and making it less enjoyable I just I, I really don't think it's it's a, a glaring issue that needs sorted and, and but someone is is you know coming up with the idea of a sin bin so I'm, I'm not for that and um, VAR is really frustrating me at the moment as well as mm. it probably is everyone so and every the amount of matches teams are playing every tournament's getting bigger um yeah I don't really know where football is at the moment any other books in the works or you'd like to write who knows? Um, yeah, I've had a couple of ideas. There's, you know, um, yeah, probably be with a, a Celtic slant and, and hopefully an Aussie slant living here. Um, possibly looked at doing, you know, a, a Scottish man abroad in Australia, mm-hmm. giving thoughts on football or sport in general, or even just life in general. Um, I kind of thought there's a couple of uh, high-profile Aussies retired from football recently that played for my yeah. club, Tom Rogic and Aaron Moy. Maybe something could be could be done there. Well, but, they're both um, a bit of a mystery, to be honest. That's, like, that's we, what, we don't get much yeah. access to them, particularly Tommy Rogic. That's what kind of in, intrigued me. The fact they both retired within a few weeks of each other and both kind of out of the blue. No one was expecting mm. either to really retire. And they're both very quiet people, um, which is nothing wrong with that, but it kind of makes them more interesting. So that may be something I, I look at, although I've just uh, given my idea out live on radio. Indeed, so yeah. someone else will be away yeah, with no, it. Now. Hopefully no one <laughs> steals it. Uh, Bruno from Melton asked before I let you go. Um, I th- you touched on it a little bit before, but what, what did you think overall of the standard of the A-League matches you've, you've attended? Yeah, as I say, like I, I've enjoyed it and, you know, teams try to pass the ball and it's like an easy match to watch and the pitches are good. So, yeah, I've I've enjoyed the matches and they've all been quite, you know, um, incident packed, especially that victory Adelaide yeah. game, a couple of red cards, a couple of goals. Um, yeah, it's just it's just the atmosphere. If you can just find a way to, you know, make the stadiums a bit fuller, then I think it will really... Um, you know, add to the kind of the, the importance of the matches. But I, I totally get the, the difficulties that you have in this country. I mean, all the A-League teams are, are relatively new and it's finding fans for that. But, you know, I'm excited by the new 
kind of second division that, mm. that they're talking about yep. coming in. I think that could be good if you could get promotion and relegation going between the two. I think it could be good. There's big events coming up early next year in Melbourne, which I think you're attending. Australian Open, F1. Yep, very excited to worldwide events that I've watched for years on television and living in a city where those events are actually you know happening every year is is crazy. So yeah, the tennis in particular, I, I can't wait for. I'm going to be down every day, probably qualifying as well. So uh, looking forward to it. Any magic left in Andy Murray? Oh, I'd love to see him. I'd, I've never I've never seen him play. Um, so that that's kind of my my dream. I'd love to see him. And and obviously the big news recently is that that Rafa mm. Nadal is coming back. I think Naomi Osaka is actually coming Jeez, back as yeah, well. Geez. So yep. there's a uh, there's a lot of big names returning. So it'd be great to see them all. Just one more before I let you go off the forty wings temper. What what are your memories of Mark Viduka at Celtic? Oh, come on, I'm far too young for that. <laughs> he watched him on tape. Yeah, I've seen some goals, He's but a I can. I just remember people being unhappy with him because he, he refused to play a second half when mm. we lost to Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. Just very Mark Viduka. Has he, has he got a coffee shop in Melbourne or something uh, like that? I think he still lives overseas still. Right, Big okay. Dukes. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's remembered fondly, but um, yeah, one of your greatest players probably ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Not not by Liverpool fans when he scored four against them, playing for Leeds. But uh, no, we loved him. Hey, Hamish, great to meet you. Uh, thanks for coming in and uh, glad you're loving life in Melbourne so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Thanks very much for having me.